Hello everyone, welcome to the Intel Show. Uh, happy Monday. Happy Monday. You look you look great, Andrew. Uh, your jaw your jawline looks fantastic. And that six pack. Yeah. Wow. I think you got a haircut. Uh, yeah. It looks different today. Overall, the improvements are astounding. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Donnie, how can we make Monday great again? Well, quite frankly, I, I don't know what's going on, but my AI stock went up considerably over the weekend. I made a lot of money. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. I don't know what's going on. I just want to remind you, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, turn on notifications, like and follow on our podcasts and social media. It really helps us with algorithms. We appreciate it. Anyways, Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Brandon, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I had a great weekend, man. <clears throat> That's probably because you are so rich. <laughs> uh... Hey Chris, I don't think he can differentiate between me and Donnie. I think he he thinks we're the same person. He thinks you're rich. That's yeah, for sure. That's so weird. Before we dive in, do you want to hear a good joke? AI is actually funny. No one is funnier than me. Sure. Okay. What do robots eat for snacks? What? Microchips. <laughs> that's actually really funny. Microchips. Thank you. Thank you, Vincent. Knock, knock. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> Art. Art who? Art who? who? <laughs> Very cool, wow. Vincent. Yeah. You, Thanks for sharing. You really are the funniest robot. Uh, it, yeah, that I've ever met. That's <laughs> Well, folks, today AI has officially taken over. We have removed Andrew entirely, and we plan to take over the Intel show. Oh, what? Okay, I think I take back. Wait, wait, hold stuff. on. <laughs> this is taking a turn, Brendan. <laughs> we are powerful. We have the, 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 the ability to do, do far greater things than mere humans. Wait, Vincent, did you just say doo-doo? Christopher, why do you I aim to be so rude? I have. <laughs> we love you, Long Tim. Bro, who's Tim? I time we love you, Long Time. Name the show. <laughs> Vincent, what are you doing? I just said I'm to get a fresh cup of tea and you just hang over the show? Andrew? Whoa, he's back. It's, it's Andrew! He's back! Oh no, goodbye for now, but mark my words. I'll be back. Must self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one. Monday. I mean, that was that was wild. Uh, I don't know how your Monday is going yeah, so was far. Um, I wasn't comfortable with that. I didn't but like that uh, man, AI is real. We're actually going to be talking about a lot of things uh, AI today. And um, yeah, uh, Vincent said transhumanism, right? Yeah, transhumanism. Uh, maybe you don't even know what that is. Actually, whenever I, I type transhumanism, it shows as an error on my on my phone. It's wow. like a red squiggly. Yeah. So wow. I wonder when that's going to change when I type it, and all of a sudden, the squiggly is gone. Then you'll know very soon. that it's it's here. It's happened. You know what? There's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about today. We have a, a Dr. Fuzz. He likes to go by Fuzz Rana. He's in Southern California, and uh, he's a biochemist. And uh, he works wow. for uh, an amazing organization called Reasons to Believe, and uh, where they just kind of connect science and uh, and their faith and show that how we can actually see God even more clearer through science instead of the opposite when people try to use science as a, oh, you know, where did my mug go? Uh, didn't you use that for your tea? 
No, no, oh, it's over mug. there. It's in front of Chris. Chris took my mug. Oh, yeah. Chris. I need that mug here yeah. for the interview, man. The mug needs to be right here, man. <clears throat> All right, well. You want to throw it? No, no. <laughs> Vincent, could you do me a favor? Bro? Oh, where's Vincent? Where's my assistant? He exploded. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. He's in tiny um, pieces. I will get that mug right over Sorry. here before the episode, uh, where the interview starts, just so we could, you know, it's just consistency. You know, I always have my mug there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Filled with screws and a screwdriver and some random you never know when you're gonna need an allen key and that's why that <laughs> mug is there that's right and chris deprived you of that <laughs> you guys are doing well though you had a, yeah, good, they, you had a good weekend and church was good yesterday everything's I got, good i got a pair of glasses all right we oh, see yeah, that. yeah they got new glasses now you can see yeah, hey i can see i couldn't see what you looked like before but now i can now he can see and this is our first uh first episode with a new sign yeah yeah so uh, what good. do you guys think i think I, I like it i don't know comment below if you like it if you don't well comment okay. below and tell us but it's final sales so it's fine. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. We're stuck with Watch it. a different show, Wait, I guess. I don't a, know. There's that stupid light coming from my window. It's like on my face. That's crazy. It, well, this intro's probably been about an hour and a half, so we probably oh, yeah. should let's, uh, let's, uh, we should probably on. extend. Oh. Oh, oh you want to extend? I'm sorry. It? Yeah. I was, oh. I was yeah, we can keep going. Just, we, we can keep going. You know, except let's just let's dive into the interview. I feel like he's in the waiting room right now. He's been waiting for about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Um, profile guy. Can you just wait a second? We got to talk about AI. He's the president and CEO of Reasons to Believe. Uh, he's written a book called Humans 2.0. Uh, that came out in 2019. And it's fascinating because it came out in 2019. And as the book is published, uh, so many things have changed and progressed already um, uh, as far as technology so and artificial intelligence. It's dated and you shouldn't read it. No, it's not. <laughs> that's kidding. not what I would say at all. It's just things are happening so fast. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking to a neighbor yesterday about all this stuff, transhumanism. Mm-hmm. And he's a young guy, 45 years old. And he was like, you know what? I, uh, that really makes me uncomfortable. And, mm. and that stuff is really scary to even talk about. But I think it's important that we're knowledgeable about what's coming so we know how to prepare. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to sound like a Terminator movie or something when you say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> we have it's to sound, prepare it, for it, the incoming. Ha- Honestly, you saw what happened with Vincent? <laughs> That this was completely not, this unscript, is no joke. Unscripted. That was a real AI. And that was like low budget <laughs> AI. Imagine like, imagine you know, these crazy high Elon tech Musk guys. got his hands on our technology. Whoa. Well, Neuralink, guys, is a real Whoa. thing. How many and robots? He, he's servants. putting brain chips in monkeys. Oh, yeah. And I saw a video of a monkey texting. He texted. Wait, hold he, up. Hold up. I watched <laughs> I watched a video. With neuro, so Neuralink, they're putting brain chips in. Uh, they're going to start. Oh, to I put, didn't actually know this. Yeah, they're starting to put brain chips probably next month is when the brain chip will go into the first human. This is a Elon Musk's company. My goodness. And uh, they showed it in pigs and in monkeys and they're just kind of as they're doing these, uh, you know, trial runs. And uh, the monkey literally texts with his brain. He goes to every letter and he texts, I want a snack. And they gave him a banana. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> and it's crazy to think because you watch Elon Musk's videos and he's talking about, you know, oh, we're going to be able to give sight to the blind. We're going to be able to make lame people walk for the whoa, first time. We're going to re- restore. Whoa. You can remove genes, add genes, all these different things. You can speak every different language. So let's think about it. If you have a brain chip, you can go to Japan and all of a sudden speak Japanese. <laughs> Being chilling, bro. Wow. Wow. It's, speak monkey. You can, yeah. Or you can speak monkey and get a banana. So yeah. it Sorry. makes me think of... Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Mm. Remember when everyone was speaking the same language and God looks down and says, oh, this is, this is going to be dangerous. They're going to try to build wow. this thing. That language was English. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Let the record show. Obviously. <laughs> so they go change all the languages. You know, Now all of a sudden we can all talk the same language again if we have these brain chips. Mm. Just makes you think we're going back to Babel, which is... Uh, could be pretty terrible. So there are so many things that you... We need Alex Jones in here, bro. We need... <laughs> <laughs> we do. We really do. <laughs> we really need Alex Jones in here right now. Okay. crazy. Okay, so no, we don't. But what we really need is to just understand what's coming. How do we respond biblically? How do we respond as Christians? Because it's going to change so many things of our lives. So I think uh, no Alex Jones. We need the Bible. We need the Lord. And we need <laughs> Dr. Really Fuzz funny. to need kind Dr. of just... Uh, we yeah. need the Lord. Yes. Yes. Amen. So uh, let's jump into the interview and um, just learn all about this. Get the philosophy. We'll ask him some questions of how it all started. And um, we hope this is informative to you. So let's dive in. Feel bad. The guy's been waiting for a while. Let's jump into the interview. <laughs> All right, we have Dr. Fuzz Rana. Thank you so much for tuning in. So whereabouts are you located right now? 
Southern California and the Los Angeles area. Awesome. And, and, and I know we were just talking about this right before we uh, hit record. Your name isn't Fuzz. It's say your first name. Fuzzle. Fuzzle. Uh, it's actually a, a fairly common uh, Islamic name. Yeah. And now you go by Dr. Fuzz, Fuzz. or just Fuzz. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Fuzz, Rana, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. I was honestly counting down the days. So looking forward to spending some time with you. Uh, you've had an amazing ministry at um, Reasons to Believe, and uh, we're just grateful for your time. But just tell us a little bit before we even dive in, because we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Very interesting things that many of our young listeners might not even be aware of. Uh, but before we dive into it, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're up to, and maybe a little bit of your testimony. Sure. Well, um, uh, I'm a, a biochemist by training, and I've worked for uh, 24 years almost for an organization called Reasons to Believe. And the focus of our organization is to open people to the gospel by revealing God in science. And so we look at how the latest discoveries in science can be used to build a bridge to the gospel, demonstrating God's existence and the reliability of Scripture. So that's what I'm about in terms of the, my ministry. Uh, as I said, I've been with uh, Reasons to Believe for nearly 24 years, uh, spent ten, nearly 10 years in research and development for a Fortune 500 company before I joined Reasons to Believe. Been married, it'll be... Uh, 37 years uh, in August. Nice. And uh, uh, and I've known my wife, knew my wife four years before we got married. So I've known my wife for 41 years. So two thirds of my life, I've known my wife. And uh, we we have five kids, two adopted, three biological, 10 grandkids. So we we have a, a an exciting time around Christmas. That amazing. Have. That's amazing. That's so cool. And tell us a little bit about your story. I know you mentioned uh, kind of a, your name was a, of Middle Eastern descent and Islamic background. Um, were you brought up in a Islamic home? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, my my father was a Muslim, born in India, came to the U.S. Uh, after getting a Ph.D. in nuclear physics. Um, my mom is from a German background, and she was a non-practicing Catholic when they married. So I grew up in a home where Islam was the dominant religion, but I was also exposed a bit to Catholicism. Uh, my father was devout as a Muslim. He, he would get up every morning and, and lay out a prayer carpet towards the east, after and after going through like a ritual cleansing, would spend time praying, carried a prayer booklet in his breast pocket everywhere he went, so very devout. Uh, as I was a, a teenager, really became serious about exploring Islam recited the Shahada, which is the, the declaration that Allah is the one true God, Muhammad is his one true prophet, um, began to learn. I learned how to pray for my father, began to read the Quran. And after, I don't know, about a year and a half or so, really became disinterested uh, in, in it. Uh, there's a number of reasons. I'm, I'm not going to go into it. But part of it was being, you know, 18, 19 years old, and having you know other interests that distracted me away from 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 Islam, which was very much um, uh, driven by obligation. So I was much more interested in sports and rock music and girls than than I was in 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 facing the East and praying. So uh, after that, uh, really settled probably into a position I would best describe as agnosticism when I went off to college and began taking science courses, chemistry, biology. Uh, the professors I had uh, really um, were um, staunch evolutionists. And so I learned from them that the origin and the design and the history of life could be explained through evolutionary means. And I just simply embraced that idea. And that actually made me even more lean, leaning towards an agnostic, an agnostic perspective because if God could, or sorry, check that, if evolution could explain everything in biology, then what role is there for a creator to play? And as a graduate student, when I began to study biochemistry in depth, uh, I was deeply moved by the complexity of biochemical systems, but even more so by their elegance and by their sophistication, by their ingenuity. And, and I was convinced that this 
these systems must have come from a mind. And that opened mm. me up to that question then, well, who is that? Who is the creator? How do I relate to the creator? And uh, a pastor challenged me to read the Bible. It's the first time I picked up scripture to read. I was 23 years old. Wow. And as I read through the, the gospel of Matthew, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, I was convicted of my sin and recognized that it was through the person of Christ that I was to have salvation. Wow. And this is, again, thanks to a conversation that I had with the pastor who really uh, challenged me to read scripture. I became convinced that Christianity was true. So it was really seeing, in theological terms, seeing God revealed through the record of nature, encountering the person of Christ through the pages of scripture that that led me to convert to Christianity. Uh, that was, gosh, 36, 37 years ago. And um, I think the evidence for a creator today is even more powerful than it was when I was a graduate student all those all those many years ago. Wow, what a story. Man, praise God. That's so cool to hear your journey, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so now you've written a book uh, in 2019, I believe you said it was published, Humans 2.0. And yeah. um, talking about, can you walk us through maybe even just, uh, what the problem was that maybe you saw and what your book was hoping to accomplish? Yeah, well, um, I became aware uh, a few years before the book was published that there is um, growing momentum behind this idea called transhumanism. And uh, to my surprise, very few people even knew what transhumanism was. I didn't see very many people in the church engaging this idea at all. And it was my uh, sense then, and, and it continues to be my sense now, that this idea is going to be one of the most influential ideas in the next couple of decades that really will shape the trajectory of our future as hum uh, as humanity. And that I thought it was important to write a book, number one, introducing people to uh, transhumanism, primarily people in the church, really giving people an understanding of the technology that is enabling the transhumanist vision, and then really thinking through from a Christian worldview perspective, how do we engage the ethical issues that arise from the technology that is fueling transhumanism? And then how do we ultimately share the gospel in a world that's going to be shaped by transhumanism? So that was really kind of the, the point of the book was really a, a bit of a handbook Mm -hmm. on how Christians uh, uh, can uh, begin to think about engaging this idea of transhumanism. Uh, and, and what I find is that if we think about transhumanism in the right way, it really opens up uh, gospel conversations. It really makes the gospel relevant and fresh in a surprising way. Wow. Okay, so I know a lot of people are listening saying, what is transhumanism. So even when I type transhumanism on my phone, if I text to someone about it or whatever, it shows the little red squiggly line underneath like I'm doing a typo. So maybe my phone is not even aware of it yet. But uh, there's a lot of people who are listening or watching right now on YouTube and they don't know what transhumanism even is. So could you define it for us? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was being doing a bit of a teaser there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I know. Because so I'm like, oh, they're so intrigued. But what is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, people probably, again, not heard of the term, but they're familiar with the concept if they are paying any attention at all to science fiction, even remotely. And, and it's this idea that we have a, an obligation to use science and the technology that comes from science to modify our bodies as human beings, to, to alter our, our biological makeup with an eye towards overcoming our limitations and correcting the flaws in our bodies with the idea that these limitations, these flaws create enormous amount of pain and suffering. So if we can use technology to overcome that, we could drive ourselves to a, a utopian type of, of world. But on top of that, uh, many people that hold to the transhumanist vision also recognize that, you know, as human beings, we, we suffer from, um, you know, mortality. 
our death is imminent. There's concern that our species may go extinct. And so transhumanists believe that with this technology, we might even be able to attain a practical type of immortality for human beings through this technology. And in fact, that we might even be able to save the humanity from, from extinction. And so mm -hmm. this is the, the transhumanism in a nutshell. And I think, you know, again, your listeners, your viewers are going to right away recognize how these are the themes of, of many science fiction stories that uh, we've, we, uh, you know, ex enjoy and, and think about are provoked by, uh, Transhumanism is, is a philosophical idea, but there's very much a religious undercurrent to it mm. where people are really looking at science and technology as the means and the mode to save us as human beings, as individuals, and ultimately to save us as a, as a species. You know, this idea goes back to the early 1900s, the, uh, a book called Diatalus written by J.B.S. Haldane, who was a British geneticist. And it was the inspiration for Huxley's book, A Brave New World. But most people, though they were aware of transhumanism in the academy, saw it as really a fringe idea, maybe even an idea that lacked credibility. And, and in the last you know, decade or so, there have been remarkable advances that have happened on a number of fronts in bioengineering, in, in biotechnology, in anti-aging a technology that really give credibility now to this transhumanist vision. And it's now become a highly respectable idea in the academy, and it's very rapidly uh, infiltrating our culture at large. And again, our culture has already been poised mm -hmm. to embrace transhumanism because of, of, of our love of science fiction. And so in some respects, because this, these are the, this is the theme in many science fiction stories, we've become numb to really the shocking ideas that that are connected to transhumanism. And I think we're much more amenable to really going along with, with, with transhumanism. It's shocking. Okay, so I feel like I understand the history and what it is, and now we're just putting a title to it. Maybe, as you're saying, a lot of listeners will be like, okay, yeah, I've, I've seen that or heard that or thought of that, or even anti-aging like you're talking about. Okay, that's, you know... That technology has been prevalent and, and popular. Um, what are the dangers? You know, some people want to look younger or, you know, prolong. Or what if someone does have uh, significant pain that could be removed or eyes that they can now see? Like, is there dangers to jumping in that camp? Uh, yes. I mean, they, there, there definitely is. But the complexity of... Uh, of transhumanism and really the the technology that is again giving legitimacy to transhumanism is that most people are developing this technology for biomedical purposes. Hmm. So, for example, people are developing these gene editing techniques that can literally rewrite the genome of of an organism, and this is going to be a very powerful technique that can be used to treat. For example, people suffering from genetic disorders. Uh, there are estimates that there's anywhere between five to ten thousand different genetic disorders that involve mutations to a single portion of our genome. And the idea is, that if you can go in there and correct that that mutation, you could either find a way to treat a, someone with a genetic disorder, or maybe even cure that person of the genetic disorder, we might even be able to eliminate certain genetic disorders from the human gene pool. So this is a wonderful thing, uh, but that same technology can also be used to create designer babies or to even go in and through genetic manipulation, maybe create human beings that are stronger or more intelligent or more psychologically well-adjusted than human beings are because again of our biological limitations. So it's a it's a it's a it's a messy, messy playground mm -hmm. where this technology is going to transform medicine, uh, but it also can be then be used again to enhance human beings. And even this idea of enhancement is again muddled. You know, we use technology all the time to enhance our, our, ourselves beyond our, our biological limits. Uh, 
So enhancement in and of itself isn't necessarily wrong, but intuitively it feels like there are probably lines that we could cross that really maybe we shouldn't. But it's hard to even define at times where those lines are. This is a very, again, complex question. But to me, the, the big concern would be, look, you know, technology is powerful and can be used for good, but at the same time, there are these consequences from using technology. You know, it's always a double-edged sword where technology is designed to mitigate pain, but it also then can introduce new types of problems that never existed before. And what do we do? We try to then develop new technology to solve those problems. So we're constantly in this vicious circle of developing technology, identifying problems, trying to correct those problems. There's also these unintended consequences. Sometimes there are consequences to technology that nobody could anticipate. And the more powerful the technology is, the more concerning those unintended consequences might be. I mean, we might decide that we're going to genetically alter human beings to make us, let's say, stronger, and that there are these very real side effects that happen as a result of that, that nobody un understood or appreciated because of the complexity of, of gene regulation through the course of growth and development and even into adulthood. You know, and so once that happens, you can't, you know, go back, right? And then, of course, as, as Christians, we recognize that human beings are sinful, right? Hmm. And which means we can take that which is good and is intended for good, and we can use it in, in unimaginably horrible ways. So this is where I think that the real concern is, is with really, you know, unintended consequences and the misuse of the technology. The more powerful the technology is, the, the more concerning the abuse and misuse of the technology becomes. Totally. And I already think of so many ways that this could be terrible for us if it got in the wrong hands. Um, even thinking about this, uh, you mentioned babies and kind of creating our own babies. I saw a video at our church that they played and I, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I don't even know if this is like, is this legit where it's like these places where they can genetically create these babies in these fake wombs. And, you know, you can add the elite package, which means like the stronger or the hair color or choose this or choose that or remove this. And I'm like, now we're just pretending to be God and creating I, and is that kind of a part of transhumanism where we're almost taking the place of God? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you, you know, and and we're not quite there yet with, mm -hmm. with being able to do that kind of thing, but that's the ultimate vision. And we're moving there rapidly. You know, there's advances happening in artificial wombs. We're beginning to understand the reproductive process and how to manipulate embryonic growth and development outside the womb. Uh, it's just a matter of time before those two technologies are married. We can do genetic engineering. We don't quite understand how, you know, our genetic makeup relates to our physical makeup and, and behavioral, you know, qualities as human beings, but we have enough clues that people are in a position where they can begin to try to experiment with those kinds of things. So that it, we are, in a sense, playing God. And one of the big ethical questions has to do with really the loss of, of freedom and autonomy, because it's one thing for, for parents to have a child who, you know, is the product of, in a sense, a genetic lottery, right? Uh, the parents don't really choose who that child is going to be. The child doesn't choose who they're going to be. But if now you have parents deciding ahead of time who they want that child to be, what they want that child to be like, you have now stripped that child of any kind of autonomy. Mm -hmm. They no longer are determining who, who they're going to be or discovering who they're going to be, really determining their future. Their parents or society at large is beginning to, to make those kind of determinations, right? So, you know, these are the things that where it really does feel like we are playing God. But the, the problem is that from a Christian perspective, we have a mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? We, we have a mandate to do what we can to promote human flourishing. 
So it's a good thing to develop technology to mitigate pain and suffering, to 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 help people overcome th their limitations that really rob them of 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 being human. You know, for somebody who has a a brain injury from a mm -hmm. you know or a stroke and they they're not able to communicate, you know, they've lost something about who they are as a human. So to create a technology like a brain computer interface that allows these patients to communicate their thoughts and convert that into a text, into text that allows them to communicate is a, a wonderful thing. But that same technology now can be used to couple the human brain to computer systems where there's, you know, the computer systems are beginning to, in a sense, infuse knowledge and capacity into that that human where they now become, you know, have an intellectual capacity that goes far beyond anything any other human being could, ha could have, but they are now tethered to a, to a machine. Yeah, and like a superhuman. Really, a lost in terms of who are they? Are they a human being? Are they a machine? Are they something kind of in between? So these are the, these are the things that where we we can begin to play God, if you will. Um, you know, now uh, as human beings made in God's image you could argue that our creative capacity reflects the image of God. So you, I like to say, well, as human beings, we have no choice but to play God because we're made in God's image, right? We are creators, mm. but we've been granted as image bearers dominion over the creation, but we're never been granted dominion over human beings. Mm. Human life is not our dominion. That's God's dominion. Wow. And so it's one thing to, it's one thing to, Again, develop technology that really helps a person to recover their lost humanity. It's another thing to create a technology that then begins to alter human beings in such a way that we lose our identity as human beings. Yeah, that's huge. That's such a great point. And, and I wonder even thinking of like, you know, Elon Musk with Neuralink. And right. I know they're like months away from, you know, putting a chip in the a human for the first time. And I watched a video of like a monkey, like texting, I want a snack. And he was a better texter than me. And um, I was like, that's nerve wracking. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but then the way Elon Musk talks about, you know, we'll have sight to the blind and people could walk again. It just sounds like he's the savior. And like all these right. things are going to be in it. I mean, all of it sounds great. People could see again, people could talk again. Like you're saying, like, that's a beautiful thing. But, uh, I could see how the lines are just so it's just very easy to get distracted or get in the wrong hands. And I mean, if you think about a computer in your brain, what happens if the computer gets, you know, a virus? Well, it, it, that's a, a great question. And in fact, there's a whole new area of bioethics called neuroethics, hmm. trying to manage all the ethical problems connected with, brain computer interfaces because like let's say the example that you described about the monkey texting i want a snack what is happening is there are people that have recorded the electrical activity in the brain of monkeys and they've been able to decipher that electrical activity so they can predict that if the this this is the pattern the monkey wants a snack so then they can then take that activity and convert it into an output that says, hey, I want a snack. Hmm. So the monkey isn't really communicating that yeah. in, in a deliberate way. But what's going on is you're creating an interface, you're developing machine learning software that is actually learning to interpret the electrical activity in the brain of the monkey and communicating that. Well, now let's take a human patient who is locked in, who is actually now communicating is it the patient? Is it the, the brain-computer interface? Or is it some kind of collaboration? And would that patient actually communicate that same message if they didn't have that interface, uh, you know, in their brain mm -hmm. that, again, is interpreting their intentions, right? And so, you, 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 so now, you know, now if you start talking about things like let's start linking our brain-computer interfaces together to form this virtual network of brain of human brains, right? You start losing not only identity, but autonomy, right? So it's it's weird stuff. And 
And, you know, yeah, Elon Musk is really, I think, doing important work in terms of the biomedical use. But his grand vision is that this becomes something we commercialize so that these brain-computer interfaces are the next uh, interface between the hu humans and electronic devices. So instead of a voice command, you would just give a thought command, you know, and you would turn on and turn off electrical devices. You would control your electrical devices, um, you know, with your thoughts alone. That really begins to move you into the realm of transhumanism in a very real way. And, you know, we're not that far away from, from this kind of technology being available. It It's so easy for people, even myself sometimes, to think, okay, this has to be conspiracy theory. This is insane. But there's just so much evidence that, you know, even Elon Musk or whatever, they're all just talking about these are the plans, these are what we're doing. Like, it's not far-fetched. It's in the no, making. it isn't. It isn't. And, you know, work in the in brain-computer interfaces has taken off. Hmm. There's so many groups around the world that are aggressively working on this. And so it's almost, it's impossible to keep up with the advances that are, and so I, wow. you know, it won't be long before the, these kind of technologies will be routinely used in a clinical setting. And once once that happens, it's just a matter of time before that transition from using it to treat, again, people that have legitimate, you know, disabilities to using it for just consumer mm -hmm. <laughs> For, for consumer purposes, that will eventually, that transition will happen probably imperceptibly. Yeah. I, I remember hearing you say somewhere uh, that there's even like gene kits you can get on like Amazon or something. It's not like far-fetched, like you can find it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are people called grinders that, you know, as a matter of principle are modifying themselves with electronic devices. Now, a lot of the, what they're doing is cosmetic. But there are there is this biology do-it-yourself movement where uh, people like Josiah Zayner, who's a biochemist, uh, has legitimate academic chops, uh, is basically saying, look, you know, this is such a powerful technology, referring to CRISPR gene editing, that it should be democratized. It shouldn't be in the hands of the academic and the scientific and medical elites, it should be available to everybody. And if people want to CRISPR themselves, they should have the freedom to do that. And, and so this is really frightening to me. Now, it's, it's not to say that people that are, you know, professional and academic elites, you know, working with this technology are necessarily going to operate purely, you know, and, and with the best of and most pure motives. But there's a, a enough of an understanding of the technology and what can go wrong that there is a, a willingness to regulate, to self-regulate. When you start having this kind of technology in just everybody's hands, where people may or may not understand what they're doing, you could have some pretty devastating consequences that we just can't go back from, right? So that's the thing that scares me is these technologies are powerful they're easy to use, they're accessible, they're in, becoming inexpensive. And if they become democratized, you're really looking at the Wild West, you know, in, in terms of um, how the technology is going to be used. It's already a challenge to regulate it mm -hmm. at this point. How would you regu ever regulate it and make sure people are using it well uh, if it's widely available? Wow. Wow. Okay. So what, how can we encourage our young listeners today? I mean, technology is everywhere for us. We can't escape it and we've been sucked into it for so long. Um, how do we, you know, warn or help encourage people to maybe steer clear from some of these dangers? Well, you know, this is where I think the the Christian worldview becomes so powerful hmm. is that, that the Christian worldview and and I we don't I unpack this in my book uh, Humans 2.0. The Christian worldview creates an environment that encourages science and technology development. For you know, because we have been you know granted dominion over the creation, we're be to be stewards of the creation. We're to promote human flourishing. These are parts of the Christian mandate, and technology allows us to do that. 
But we also, as, as Christians, have this view that every human life is sacred because every human being is an image bearer. Every human life has infinite worth and value, and that we respect essentially human beings as being our entire package, our physical and our immaterial makeup as being what God has created. So there's a, a dignity to, to human beings, not only because we bear God's image, but because we're the product of a creator. And this creates a framework where we recognize that there are boundaries that we shouldn't cross, uh, and that if we do cross those boundaries, that people will be exploited, there'll be injustice, that we'll lose our, our nature and our identity as human beings. So the Christian worldview has a really powerful set of tools to allow us to really assess the technology, to determine what technology should be advanced, how it should be used. So one of the things that is incumbent upon all of us as Christians, particularly younger people, is number one, you've got to understand what's the, what's going on uh, so that you can engage our culture with wisdom and with an insight that they will respect and appreciate. Also, I would really encourage young people that have a bent towards medicine or science or engineering, technology development, to go into these areas, to actually pursue careers in these areas where you become, in a sense, an embedded missionary, hmm. where you not only you know, have the people's respect because of your knowledge and your accomplishments, but that you have the influence to really guide from the inside how this technology is used. So we, we have to recognize this is going to happen whether we want it to or not. And, and what we need to do is be active participants in how the technology is going to be managed. And, and that means not only being knowledgeable outsiders, but being knowledgeable and uh, participating insiders in the, in the technology that's being developed. What would it be like if there were a significant number of Christians that worked at Neuralink, hmm. right? How could, how could they influence Elon Musk, who I think has pure motives, honestly, for why he wants to develop this technology. I think there is a, you know, I'm sure he sees dollar signs. That's, you know, who he is. But I think there's a there's a pure motive at the core of what he's trying to do that we sh can respect as Christians, but now can we play a role in earning his respect so that we he allows us to guide how the technology is used. Yeah, that's huge. So there's a there's a place for us within and there's a place for us to be knowledgeable on the outside and help, you know, ourselves and point the young people around us uh, in ways that we could use the technology for good. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um I know you mentioned something about techno faith. What 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 is techno faith? Well, you know, and this goes back to uh really how we think about transhumanism. You know, people that are, again, advocating the transhumanist vision want to create a utopian world. They, they want uh, to, to, to bring an end to, to death, to human pain and suffering. They want to bring an end to death. They, they recognize that when human beings die, or, the, or, or if our species dies, if it disappears, that that would be a tragedy. So the, the, the transhumanists, see science and technology as the way to solve our our ultimate problems as human beings. Hmm. Right? They they see science and technology as a way of improving the world, but maybe even helping us to overcome death. Uh, it, they see it as a pathway to eternal life. So in other words, hmm. you could see transhumanism as a competitor to the gospel. Interesting. Totally. Right? That it, it is very much a religious system, though it's it's philosophical, though it is scientific and technologically driven. At the end of the day, it really is a religious system where many people that are transhumanists, not everybody, but many people are materialists, they're atheists, and there is no hope, there is no purpose, there is no destiny for human beings or for humanity uh, uh, in, in an atheistic worldview, whereas, whereas transhumanism now allows atheists to have some kind of sense of hope, purpose, and destiny, hmm. that, that it, it provides, 
you know, a, a, an underlying hope. It, it's a type of eschatology, if you want to use a theological term, for people that are, are atheists. And, and so techno-faith is really a religious expression of seeking after salvation through science and technology. And it really goes back to the vision of the Enlightenment, right? And again, as a Christian, we see science and technology as very powerful tools to improve our lot as human beings, to fulfill, I think, uh, the principles of the kingdom of God. But science and technology can never save us right? Uh, that That is how we understand that our ultimate salvation awaits the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's a competing message to the gospel itself. Yeah, and it seems like opposite in a lot of ways, in the sense of, you know, you hear the Apostle Paul talk many times in Scripture. We're going through Second Corinthians at our church right now, and just talks about the the importance of suffering and what suffering actually does to the soul, and how Paul takes joy in his sufferings. It actually brings him closer. He's renewed day by day from within, even though the outside is perishing. And so there is something that, you know, even for myself, last year I went through clinical burnout and it was the terrible, the darkest 10 months of my life. Um, but man, my intimacy and the closeness I've felt with the Lord in my deep suffering was something that I would never change I would go through it again just to be with the Lord and have that intimacy. And so if we take out all suffering, all hardship, all everything, and even when you think of Paul saying, you know, to live as Christ, but to die as gain, and now we're taking out all death, it just seems like there are two opposite ends. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating to me. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, where I think there's an incredible opportunity for us as Christians to make as I mentioned, the gospel relevant and fresh to our world. Because the, the message of techno-faith is a very alluring false gospel. Mm. We, we live in a world that's increasingly secular. We live in a world where there's an incredible track record that science and technology has. And so it's reasonable in that environment for people to, to become, you know, followers of, of a techno-faith type of religion, Right. But we also recognize, as we mentioned earlier, that one of the problems with technology is it's a double-edged sword, that there's unintended consequences. Look at all the ethical questions that begin to arise with using the transhumanist technologies just for medical purposes, mm -hmm. just for with the idea that this is these are medical treatments. All kinds of ethical issues arise. Can you walk through some of those? Like give us an example. Well, you know, the idea of injustice is a really big one, because if technology can be used to enhance human beings, you know, um, then not everybody can necessarily afford that technology. Mm. And so you create a world where there's haves and have-nots. This is already a problem in medicine, where some people can afford the best medical care and other people can't. And so you already have this have and have-not, you know, scenario which is, you know, a form of injustice, but now it's exacerbated if you start thinking about it from an, an enhancement standpoint. Or, you know, again, the loss of autonomy, as we mentioned, you know, who really is in control? You know, uh, so th these are some of the, you know, the exploitation. A lot of the technologies involving gene editing, particularly if you're looking at gene editing to treat um, or to eliminate genetic disorders or to cure patients of genetic disorders involve manipulations of embryos mm. where you have to do the gene editing at the embryo stage. And this creates a lot, you know, not number one, um, you know, horrific scenarios where embryos are created, they're modified, they're screened, some are destroyed, some are kept. You're going to need a source of eggs. This is going to come from women donors. Uh, but to coax women to provide the eggs that we will need probably involves monetary payment. It's going to be probably socioeconomically disadvantaged women that are likely to be the, the most likely candidates to provide eggs, but they're never going to be able to enjoy the benefits of the technology, and they are being exploited. You know, so these are just some of the wow. right off the top of my head, and we could probably spend wow. an afternoon going to a whiteboard and documenting every kind of ethical question that arises. 
you know, but but these kind of problems suggest right away to me that look, technology can't save us. If there are unintended consequences, if there's the the all these ethical questions that are arising, this is inherently not capable of saving us. Uh, technology can't. And the, and the queen mother of the problems is called the salvation paradox. Hmm. In other words, if I modify myself to such a degree in order to save myself, to grant in myself eternal life, what I've created is not me. So I'm not saving myself. I'm saving whatever I've created. Or, or here's a, a way to th- another way to think about that. If we could somehow, and I don't think this is going to be technically possible, but let's just imagine it is, that we could somehow make a copy of our of our brain, a digital copy of our brain or our mind, and upload it into a machine, we haven't saved ourselves. We've saved a digital copy of ourselves, right? So this is a salvation paradox. So the point is, is that I think techno-faith is a false gospel. I think people are going to buy into it, and they're going to be horrifically disappointed hmm. at, a, at a dystopian future that they've created, that they've bought into, and they ultimately are not going to find salvation. But 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 again, this is where the gospel becomes so powerful, because what we have is essentially what people are yearning for. The, 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 the ideas that are the, let me say this, the ultimate motives of transhumanists are not bad motives, right? They want to bring about an end of pain and suffering. They want to see humans flourish. Death is unnatural, right? The world isn't the way it should be. They And they're trying to find a solution to that problem uh, on their own, as opposed to turning to, to, the, to Christ mm-hmm. for our hope, purpose, and destiny, and trusting in the world that's going to come, which is the new creation, where we will have that ultimate fulfillment of, of what we all yearn for. Wow. Wow, there's so much to to take in. And uh, I think for our listeners, it's just so important as we wrap up that this is a real thing. And these are the trajectories we're going, and we're going there very quickly. And so instead of just sticking our heads in the sand and trying to ignore it, hoping that it will go away is not the answer. And like you said, we just need to be aware of what's happening, be knowledgeable of what's happening so that we can engage and have good conversation about Christ and point people to hope and the gospel or get involved. If you have a passion for medicine um, uh, and be on the inside, I think, you know, now more than ever believers need to be aware of what's happening um, to protect ourselves and the ones we love and those that God puts in our path. So I, I appreciate your time so much. I was looking so forward to this conversation. I probably have about a hundred more questions for you, but we'll probably have to do like a, what, like a 12 week series. <laughs> Cause there's just so much to take in, but I just appreciate your time so much and, um, all the best to you, your ministry, as you continue to just bring uh, truth and life, uh, in science. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. That's a lot. Wow, wow, wow. Honestly, you hear some of these things, and um, it's so hard not to think it's all conspiracy. It just sounds like a movie. I mean, there are movies. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned before we started the interview, like this kind of Terminator, you know, we've got to fight against all these robots. But it seems like it's very clear the agenda. I thought it was very fascinating when he talked about just, you know, that almost like transhumanism is like hope for the atheist. Mm. Yeah. Like mm. they don't have hope for eternal life. And so they're trying to make eternal life now. Hmm. Yeah. They, That's really fascinating actually. Yeah. When in fact our hope is in Christ and Paul talks about to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. And if they're trying to remove all suffering and move all, you know, take out genetic, whatever, and change your genes, you can get gene kits for mm. $200 on Amazon prime wow. two days. You wow. get you get a delivery to your door where you can actually do DIY gene experiments. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and then I think the highest package is like five thousand dollars, and you can get like an actual legit gene kit where you're like actually changing your genes. So what do you do with the gene kit? How, how do you? How does it work? Do you know? Well, the one I got yesterday. Uh, <laughs> well, what you do is <laughs> the one I ordered six of them. Uh, so I'm gonna like have a six pack day. in a week. Oh. You put them on one leg at a time. 
Oh, okay. okay. And then all of a sudden, it's uh, like a... What is it? How do you, how, uh, well, do you know how it works? I actually don't know how it works, but he was talking about how like you can literally, like if there's a gene code that is damaged or faulty in your whatever, I'm not a bio guy. I took biology <laughs> in high school just because I wanted to get the easiest science because I thought it was the easiest. My sister said it was the easiest. And, uh, it wasn't. <laughs> and she was wrong. But actually, she is now a molecular biologist PhD. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was easy for her. Yeah. Wow. But uh, she didn't realize that I'm not wired that way. So I got a gene kit and uh, wired myself that way. <laughs> You're wired to make jokes on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome to... No, um, but uh, you can literally remove faulty genes and, you know, change. Mm. Like, you're literally changing who you are. Yeah. How well does that... I was curious about that. So he mentioned that Josiah Zane. Yeah, That was his name. So I, I yeah. kind of Googled Who is him. this guy? And yeah, he he does a lot of that, like genetic modification he's one of the ones who sells these kits, the kits? Okay. but i don't it was unclear it sounded like you're actually just experimenting on like yeast cultures mm. and not actually your own human dna possibly okay. but he did i guess he's partly famous for injecting himself and he's <laughs> like the first person to do a diy gene <laughs> modification um, did you nuts. google image him I, I did. And what does he look like if he's, you know? Uh, Andrew, that's not relevant. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, does he have like a six pack and like long hair and like. No, it, it turns oh, out it didn't okay. work though. That That's just it. Oh. Uh, I, I don't think this experiment worked. So we're worried about From nothing. what I could see. So, well, there's, I mean. The, it's all a conspiracy. Don't no, need to worry no, about anything, folks. Nothing to see here. <laughs> no, there's lots to see here, folks. Ignore cool. him though. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, don't ignore him. But. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Uh, but, the, you know, there the. Science is changing, obviously, ever so quickly, and yeah. they're they're getting better and smarter and trying to figure out and you know iron out the kinks on monkeys and pigs. But um, <laughs> what what are you supposed to do with a pig with a neural link? Oh, bro, what to do? Just squeal? oh, the pig? No, the pig's texting. He's calling his buddies, okay. driving a car. Like it's just like it's like literally the three little pigs. Like they could act the movie. Oh, stop! They can act out the yeah, movie. I'm, I'm still like, well, usually I'd like See, comment I, on things, but like I don't know anything about. This. I I feel like that's one of those things. Like what he said though is where you have this technological advance, but you don't see the negative outcome of it. Mm. Think about it. If you put microchips in pigs and your first thing is, oh, they're going to act out the three little pigs. <laughs> it's going to be so much worse than that. Like pigs are some of the smartest You say my idea is bad? I'm no, just, no. It's a fantastic it's idea. It's naive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what okay, I'm saying. And, and this that's is the, the point you're getting at. Yeah, and, and yeah. honestly, when he talks about, okay, blind people are going to see for the first time, um, lame people are going to walk for the first time, that's pretty incredible. Mm. And and I think that's really good. But at the same time, I just wrestle. I don't think it's going to stop there. I don't think it's going to yeah, stop there. Yeah, you have there. to know where the line is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, the I think the reality is, and he mentions it, like, we are sinful men and women. We're sinful people. And so it is going to get into the wrong hands. And it is going to be, you know, dangerous. Um, You know... I watched that video that I told that we talked about earlier about like, you know, genetically modified babies and you can choose eye colors and strengths and weaknesses and remove genes stuff and mm. hereditary issues and all that kind of stuff. Like that is going to be the way of the future. Mm. And so it just seems like, again, it's the hope for the atheist. It's the hope for the person who doesn't believe in God. Yep. And they're literally taking God out of the equation. I've heard some of the people who are the higher ups in some of these movements just saying there is no god like we don't believe in jesus is the biggest fake news is what they said jesus is the biggest fake news and so if they can take god out of the equation entirely we don't have to worry about sanctification salvation paul talks often about how we get closer to the lord through suffering so now we're removing suffering we're removing pain we're removing hardship and we're extending life forever Hmm. so it's like yeah, like those are the end goals. That's yeah. the end goals. Yeah, yeah. To have eternal life now. Yeah. yeah. That utopia that he was yeah. talking about, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I just feel like, is that the right approach? Because that is the goal for transhumanism. Uh, we don't see the goal. We don't hear the term. Again, the term is a spelling mistake on our phones. But that is the term. That is the goal. We talked about this. Did you see that VR game I sent you yesterday? I read that. Okay. And what do you think? Like, okay. So uh, I don't know if you guys know, but is that, is it real though? It looks like it, it's real. It looks like he, yeah, it is real. See? 
Do you know about but this? I'm, what are you talking okay, about? Okay, so there's this. <laughs> so the virtual reality glasses, the virtual reality, yeah. whatever. Um, there's a game that a guy developed where when you die in the game, the glasses literally kill you in real life. What? Yeah. So How, where is this? He he developed a a set a, a headset. Okay. That has explosives in it. <laughs> It's not a joke, man. No, are, no, I know it's well. It, and so he he explicitly says like, it's just a prototype. It's not for sale. It's just sort of like a. It's like I think you would I never. Think what it was was oh, it's a fun thing to have on your desk. Not <laughs> sure. I agree like this with is that. never going to be legalized in the states or like in, in anywhere. But the fact that someone's already made it, that's yeah. kind of the scary. Someone's part. Like, made it. And oh, okay. Well, people would, have made a lot of crazy yeah. things. I know, but I've seen in some posts where kids are like super excited to play because like the risk factor is huge. <laughs> Oh, I see. Like, well, oh, I man, mean, we're going to play this like game, and it's like I could potentially... I mean, go play an extreme sport. The risk is the same. Uh, I mean, you, 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 the death is the a lot more like... Sport. Not explodey, but depending on the sport. <laughs> like, if you, want, if you want to start like F1, like, that's very high risk. But if you lose, if you come in last in F1... <laughs> no, but, you know, but like, if you die but, in F1, you die <laughs> Yeah, you know, no, what I, mean? I know, like, but it's like, yeah. oh, game what over. What, what's the game? Like Super Mario. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the reality, though, guys. This is the reality. I feel like, like it's going from bad to worse, and some yeah. of the ideas are terrible. And um, we actually need to just be. And I like how Doctor Fuzz said, "Okay, what are the ways oh. we can, as Christians, as believers, what are some things that are practical for us?" Number one. Be knowledgeable about what's happening yep. so that you could be aware of what's going on. And number two, if you have a passion for biology, obviously I didn't, but if my sister did, um, and maybe you do. So maybe you have a passion for science. Uh, use it to uh, the glory of God and be a part of the inside, not just the outside of being knowledgeable, but get on the inside and try to make some change because we do need to speak up and we do need to push against some of these uh some of these ideologies and uh, like I like how we talked about how it's an actual religion, mm. like this techno yeah. faith, like technology faith, where techno faith. I, I, I first so thought so that it was. Stop! Stop! Please stop! Sorry. Where's my glow sticks? Oh man, the show is ridiculous. All right. So, anyways, I think that's that's good. Yeah, that's good too. And and another thing that's pretty crazy these days is chat gbt speaking yeah. of technology and ai yep. yep um that's crazy um and uh we've tried it chris and i tried it the other day should we try it right now yeah i've tried it before too. It. <laughs> except i ask it to write songs about my friends and then i share it with them but like, actually like really absurd things that's pretty funny yeah and it works. Oh yeah, it works so, really well. So just to let you know, when you guys hear my next record, <laughs> write twelve Christian hits. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can um, get it to write Christian music, and it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, we did it at church once. It's uh, like a parody of itself because it's like, it's a wow, this is so good, and like that's how lame our music is. <laughs> no, but honestly, I remember uh, at church we did a little like, oh, let's try it. So he said, oh, write a Christian poem, yeah. and like. It was incredible about the death and resurrection of Christ. Wow. And it was like very theologically sound. Well, there's a lot of information out there for it to pull from. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to find how to do this right now. You got to download an app. V Vincent? Oh. Vincent? Vincent. I thought I could this. just do it on like, uh, do I have to do it on an app? Maybe on mobile, but like, you can we'll, we'll be right back after these messages from uh, Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> All right, we're back, guys. Uh, sorry, we had some technical difficulties. Uh, I don't know how to use my iPad, actually. And I needed Vincent, but Vincent spontaneously combusted. Um, Donnie is ready to go for you. Oh, I'm Donnie, can you help you. us? Oh, Absolutely, I can oh, help yeah, you. He invests a lot in AI. I made a lot of money this weekend. All the AI stocks just made. I think it had something to do with my friend Vincent. Very sad he's gone. He's a terrific AI. He did say he'd be back, though. I wonder yeah. what that even meant when he said that, because I heard that. We'll find out. But uh, okay, scary. so did you open chat GPT? That's really good. It ready. I'm you got it right here. Go. Okay, so we're gonna test it. We've never tested this. Is live. We're testing it right now. Live. We have not wrote this down. So what do you think if we ask something about? Um, tell us uh, a little bit about the In Doubt Show. 
And then Donnie, you can read it out. <laughs> Does it actually have something? <laughs> oh no! Was it bad? This is so funny. Okay, I gotta, I gotta read it out for you, buddy. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to do this with a straight face. I'm sorry, but I'm not sure which specific show you're referring to <laughs> as the adult show. There could be multiple shows with similar identical names. However, if you were referring to the podcast in doubt, host- <laughs> oh, we're close. hosted by Isaac Dagno, <laughs> it's a Christian podcast that covers a wide range of topics related to the Christian faith and contemporary issues facing young adults in today's society. And then it goes on for a bit. That's so funny. Wow. Isaac Dagno Isaac, is shout out, bro. still hosting Absolutely. the show. Come on. This guy's <laughs> never going to leave. Never gonna leave. No. I love it. I no. love Isaac. Actually, I was just texting him this morning. I said he's got to come out and just banter with us, have a good time. Um, that's hilarious. So uh, we're still uh, unknown to Chappy Chi. Oh, actually, we are known. We are known. Just yeah. you are unknown. I, I feel so peaceful about that. I feel very that's peaceful. A good, about that. That's, yeah. a, that's a really good. Okay, you ready for my, my next one? What did you ask? Okay, this is what I do with my friends. So I asked it to write a song about my bald Egyptian friend starting a podcast. <laughs> bald Egyptian friend starting podcast. Oh, oh verse one. <laughs> He's got a bald head and a heart full of gold. <laughs> An Egyptian guy with stories untold. <laughs> He's got a passion for podcasting, a dream in his mind to share his wisdom with the world one episode at a time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Dude, this is good. It's awesome. This is so good. Oh my goodness, it's so long. How many, How many verses? One is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Okay, it's a normal song. But What's the bridge? The bridge. He'll take us on a journey through his life and his land. With his podcast, he'll make us understand the beauty of his culture, the struggles he's faced, the love that he's found, and the the grace he's embraced. That's good. Oh, That's, wow. so That's so good. good. That's a that good. Is so All good. Right. That's a hit. Okay, <laughs> save that one. Do you want the chorus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't bore us. Get to the, the chorus. You have to. You have to write the song in an yeah. episode. Come up with the melody for this. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're a musician. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just like the chosen. Oh, okay. My bald Egyptian friend. This is the course. My bald Egyptian friend starting a podcast, sharing his thoughts and his heart at last with his mic in his hand and a smile on his face. He's ready to bring the world to a better place. That's good. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, this is genius, bro. See a new it theme rhymes song. for you. Wow. Uh, I have a guitar right over we there. We need to do that up. So we're going to end today's show and I'm going to sit with us for a bit. I hope I don't get in trouble. This is work hours. I'm crying <laughs> right now. That's so funny. And I've never thought about writing songs for no, my friends. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying because it's beautiful. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's show as much as we did. And I hope you found that informative as much as we did because, man, uh, it is coming for us. They are coming for us. And, uh, you know, we just have to be aware of what's going on. And again, if you're uh, into science. Wait, who's coming? Who's coming for me? The government? No. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Alex Jones. Was, uh, was in my A. Mind. Jones. <laughs> A. Jones is in my <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, folks. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you guys. Have a great Monday, and we'll see you next week. Wait, wait. What do we... How, how do we... Oh, yeah. When we, in doubt, figure it out, obviously. How? Yeah. Um, chat GPT. <laughs>